0: Welcome to another special edition of Crosswalk and the conclusion of the Cross Culture Reconnect series, DNA. Most of us can remember from our high school biology class that DNA is sort of a blueprint for the human body that determines much of the characteristics of a person. The body of Christ here on earth is the church. So shouldn't the church have DNA that causes it to have the characteristics of Christ? If you've been with us for this series, you know that for the past several weeks... Pastor Clay has been walking us through what it is that makes Cross-Culture Church. We've looked at things like the meaning behind our name, our strategy, our passion, our vision, and our purpose. Each of those subjects that we've covered are important, and if you've been following along, each of them is connected. Understanding who we are as a church is important if we're going to be the church Christ has called us to be. Last week, Pastor Clay covered three of our seven DNA, or defining non-negotiable absolute statements. Today, he's going to walk us through the final four DNA statements. These seven statements form the foundation of everything we do as a church. Now, here's Pastor Clay with the conclusion of our series, Cross-Culture Reconnect.
1: We are coming today to the end of a series that's been a little bit different in that, uh, as I've said uh, several times, uh, not necessarily expositionally walking through a text uh, as I do uh, most Sundays, but have been looking at uh, a good number of, of texts from the Bible um, that build a, uh, a picture uh, and a basis for who we are as a church. Uh, what is cross-culture all about? Who are we? Why do we exist? What is our purpose in existing? Are we just supposed to be another church uh, that meets on the corner um, there are plenty of those around and uh, not knocking other churches. I'm just saying, is that, is that what this is about or is there something more uh, to this, uh, this vision that God has given us that is cross-culture church? So we've been taking a number of weeks, um, I think this is the sixth or seventh week, of walking through uh, the foundations of who we are as a church in this series called Cross-Culture Reconnect. And in that series, and yes, I'm going to do it. If you've been here week after week, you're like, geez, Again, yes, once again, I'm just going to remind you of each one of the uh, subject matters that we've covered. And uh, if you happen to miss any of these weeks, um, you can go back and, and uh, look at either any of those online. You can go straight to our website, um, uh, go under media, and you can follow it and listen to our podcast there, or you can get it from iTunes. Uh, if you have trouble finding it on iTunes, where I think we're working on that, but if you have trouble finding it on iTunes. And you can't you put in cross culture, and you can't find it. On, sometimes uh, you can put in uh, crosswalk, which is kind of the name of our podcast. It's called Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church, and you can find it that way uh, if you have trouble. You can go back and listen to these or, or any of our messages. Uh, but with, so far, uh, we've covered uh, some of this subject matter. Well, we've restated our name, um, and I know y'all don't need me to go over that again. But just who we are, or what our name represents, what it actually means. Uh, we have reintroduced our strategy. And I'll talk a little more about that uh, today in, in, as we're looking at uh, the subject matter that we're discussing today, it'll come back up again, but the strategy, the sort of two-pronged approach, two-legged approach that we have currently at Cross Culture Church, rekindle our passion, the importance of passion in our lives, the importance of passion obviously uh, toward God and our love for God and our relationship with God, but then that passion uh, becomes part of of a passion for us as a church and understanding uh, who we are as a church and what it is that we are passionate about. I'm just curious, and I'm probably going to hate myself for doing this if, if I don't hear some answers here but who does anybody remember what our passion is yeah, yeah it's, uh... <laughs> okay <clears throat> my wife knows what our passion is so thank you baby yeah no that's right uh and we we do we say it a lot around here we have it on a lot of our literature material if you look around maybe you just didn't know it as our passion statement but we're saying the cross culture church we're taking the cross to our culture y'all understand what that means you're going to hear more about it today. But we're taking the cross, the message of the cross, to our culture. That's, that's what we're called to do. And when we do that, what God says that he will do, we take the cross to our culture, we'll be taking our culture to the cross. That God will use the message of the gospel, the power of the gospel, to draw people to himself, draw them to the cross, because that's where a person has to come, right? To come into a relationship with God, it has to start at the cross, that's right. That has to become so ingrained in us as a person. And because we as persons are the church, are we not? It's not the building we meet in. It's not the material. It's, we are the, the body of Christ. And when we become passionate about that idea, yes, that is my, that's the passion of my life, to take the cross and the message of the cross to those around me, however God gives me opportunity. And then for God to use that then to bring the cross, bring people to the cross Man, I want y'all to, in 2013 to really think about how, you know, I need to get passionate about that idea. So uh, we, we rekindle our passion. Then we refocused our vision. We talked about that vision. Some of you are hearing it for the very first time. It's a very bold vision. Vision is where we're going. We're looking down the road at where uh, we believe God is taking us based on who we are, where we are, the demographics of this area, the number of people that are unchurched. Uh, outside of relationship with God, how do we reach those people? And so we laid out a vision uh, for that. And then we spent a couple of weeks on remembering our purpose. And that was pretty extensive and it had, you know, things underneath each one of the things. And again, go back and listen to it, but we have a purpose. And, and that part, those two weeks we spent there were designed to help us all kind of get an idea, okay, how, how does that purpose flesh itself out? We can talk in generalities all day and say, well, our purpose is to glorify God and and bring people to Jesus. All right, that's a purpose. But how do you flesh that out? And we talked about some of those things as we uh, walked through those couple of weeks. And then last week, we began to review our DNA. Would y'all say that with me? Review our DNA. And DNA stands for, here at Cross Culture, uh, for the rest of the world, it's deoxyribonucleic acid. To us here at Cross Culture, DNA stands for, say it with me, Defining non negotiable absolutes. These are the seven statements that are the pillars, the foundation of who we are as a church. Now, you may think it a bit odd that we're finishing with the foundation. We we walk through all the other stuff and we're kind of finishing with the foundation. That may seem don't you start with the foundation? Yes, in building you start with a foundation, but just in the way that I worked it out and the way I just chose to do it, we're finishing with the foundation. That's not a bad idea to remember that no matter what, no matter what we do, no matter what happens, no matter, you know, new ideas that come along and all that kind of stuff, these seven pillars hold us to who we are as a church. And they are non-negotiable. Somebody says, well, I I, I just don't, I don't think we ought to, I don't think we ought to open our doors just to anybody coming in. Sorry, it's non-negotiable. Our doors are open to everybody. All right, so defining non-negotiable absolutes. Now, last week, we covered three of them, and then we just had a wonderful time uh, together commemorating the Lord's Supper uh, last Sunday. So just real quickly, what those first three non-negotiables, if you weren't here, they're filled in on the back of your information sheet uh, for you this week. But just for me to hit them real quickly, Cross Culture Church will be Thoroughly biblical. That's what, that's what We're going to strive to always be thoroughly biblical, holding faithfully to God's Word through its, meaning the church, through its teachings and its practice. In other words, we, we not only want to teach the Word of God, we want to live the Word of God. We want to do the Word of God. And, and each of us ought to have the, the, the freedom and the responsibility to realize that we care enough about each other to call. If In other words, if you see something in my life that's not a very biblical uh, conduct in my life, you ought to be able to say, hey... Uh, Pastor, I just you know, I I, I I see this going on in your life, and and I don't. And here's what God's word says, and I don't see that lining up. We, we've got to be able to do that and understand that it's not just about what we teach; it's about what we live. Right? It's not about just what we teach; it's about what we live. And so it's through our teaching and our practice we're biblical. We're going to be biblical. We're not, you know. We'll be creative. We talked a lot about that. We may come up with different ideas of creativity and how we can introduce things and ways we may decorate the platform and, and all that kind of stuff. But at the core of who we are as a church, we're going, to, we're going to base what we do on the Word of God. And that's the primary teaching tool that you're going to hear standing up here. And as I said last week, whether it's me or I'm long gone, that's, that's why it's built into the DNA. We're going to be biblical. All right, second one. Cross-culture will be... Light on its feet. You want me to dance again? No. Cross culture will be light on its feet, being willing and able to change directions and methodology as necessary to continue to effectively engage and impact our culture now and into the future. Don't miss that last part without compromising our message. So we're not going to water down, we're not going to change the message, but we have to realize that because our culture is constantly shifting, constantly changing, new things are coming in vogue, new ways of communication, new, all this different, you know, new, new phones coming out every 10 minutes, and, you know, all this new technology, and all this kind of stuff that we can, we, can, uh, we can do. How people receive information, how people give information, all that stuff is changing. So we have to recognize that as a church and say, our message doesn't change, but our methodology better change. Or else we're not going to be relevant. We're not going to connect to the culture that we're supposedly trying to reach. So we're going to be light on our feet. Where church is not, when we, nothing is, you know, other than, other than those seven statements themselves, nothing's really written in stone here. What we did this year, we may not do next year. And I'll talk more about that later. And, and how we do this or what we, you know, all that kind of stuff. We're, we're, we're just, we're light. We're probably not as light as we'd like to be after Thanksgiving uh, meal, but but we're, we're light. We're, we're just willing to be flexible as a church. And that just has to be understanding of the people here. That we, That's the way we operate. All right. And then the third one last week, Cross-Culture Church will be committed to taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth through, and you're going to hear more about this in a few minutes, through hands-on involvement in missions and the planting of new churches in the Research Triangle Park community and throughout the world. We want to be involved in Starting new church plants, new church satellites, new uh, mission work going on all over different places. We want, and and we've got hands-on intentional. Hands-on doesn't mean just, hey, help us out here in Raleigh. Uh, I want every one of you to consider different ways that you can be hands-on in missions. For instance, uh, when we're talking about international missions, we're in the process. Uh, It's a process, and we're still working on it. Trying to line up some trips next year, uh, possibly to Peru and Haiti And Canada, those are three trips that we're working on. Some some mission opportunities that we that we have, and we're looking at investigating. So, um, y'all just need to be thinking about which one of the trips you're going to go on. And if you say, "Well, I I I don't have the money to go on," don't don't worry about that. (laughs) You just need to be praying about whether God would provide the opportunity for you to go on. Which one it could go on? Hands-on involvement. What we're doing locally. Hands-on involvement. Not just talking about it, not just reading about it, but actually doing it. And like I said, you will hear more about that uh, in a few minutes. So those were the first three defining non-negotiable absolutes. The remaining four, so again, some overlap, some, some running together. That's intentional because we're, we're, well, you'll see. All right, let's go to our fourth DNA statement today. For, first new one for you. Cross-culture church will be intentional about remaining simple in structure and strategy and will resist the temptation to become a complex organization rather than a living organism. Now, I think you guys know what I mean when I say a living organism, but just to kind of clarify, uh, we talked about last week that uh, DNA uh, in, in the science community is sort of the blueprint for, for how a person turns out, how their body is, their characteristics, uh, those types of things. And so since we are the body of Christ here on earth, then we have DNA as well, the defining non negotiable, absolute. So in that sense, we're a living organism. We're a living body, right? We're a living body. Now, let me say this. This is a, this is a tricky one, okay? This, you, you, gotta kinda, you gotta kinda walk this one Carefully, because organization, being organized, is not a bad thing, right? How many of you wish your spouse was more organized? <laughs> yo, yo, oh, come on. <laughs> organization in itself is not a bad thing. And the, actually, the larger uh, a body of people, whether you're talking about a corporation or a, or a church or a business, whatever it is, the larger it becomes, the more organization that you need. So organization in itself is not a bad thing. We need organization. What we don't need is to become an organization. Do you, do you know the difference between that? An organization tends to turn inward. An organization tends to focus only on itself. And if you've, if you've even been to one of these Cross Culture Reconnect series, you know that... that one thing that we are, that this church is built on is that we are others-focused. That that's our desire. We don't always get it right, but our desire is to be others-focused. But an organization can tend to turn inward and to focus so much on its own survival, its own whatever, that that's all that it sees. And as a church, that is a formula for failure as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. So, so we're going we're gonna to try... And be intentional about being simple in our structure. We, we don't. Uh, we don't have, uh, for instance, we don't have committees around here. We don't have subcommittees of our committees. We don't have sub-subcommittees of our subcommittees of our committees. Okay. We we just we may from time to time put together uh, special teams for something that's going to go on or whatever. But but we, we're pretty simple in this in this structure and our strategy. Two legs, two prongs. Remember, large group gathering, small group gathering. Large group gathering meets on Sunday mornings, corporately in here and in C2 Kids. That's an important part of who we are as a church. It's important to gather and worship God and and sit under His Word and fellowship together. And all that's important. And we try and do that as good as we can do it. And we're constantly working on it. We're constantly, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. It's important. And small group gatherings, life groups. Those small 8, 10, 12 people that gather together on a regular basis to do life together, as we say, to study God's Word, to, to do community, to serve each other, to serve the community, all those kind of things that life groups do. And, and that's it, folks. I mean, that's, that's all we really kind of focusing on at this point. Now, is it possible that our strategy will change? Is it possible that we may look at adding something? I don't know. I, that, that part, remember, we're, we're light on our feet. We're always looking for how we can continue to to glorify God and build His kingdom and be more effective as a, as a church. But, but we've said, for now, this is who we are as a church. Large body gathering, small body gathering. Both are important. So I'll say it again. Let me encourage you. If you're obviously in large body gathering right now, if you're not in small body gathering, I'd love to see you plugged in to a, a life group. Well, life group Sunday will be coming up in January. We'll be talking more about life groups and giving you more information about that as well. Always encouraging you because life groups are intricate. Quite honestly, they're intricate to your, uh, uh, for your spiritual growth, but also for your ability just to, uh, to, to belong and to make others feel like they belong and all that uh, sort of thing. So uh, that's part of our DNA. We're going to try as best we can to be simple in structure and strategy, and we're going to resist the temptation to become a complex organization rather than a living body. Organizations focus on the organization itself. We want to focus on people. We need organization. We don't need to be an organization. Clear as mud? All right. Y'all ready for number uh, five? Five? Five. Ready for number five? Come on, you ready for number five? Yeah. All right, you can't. Number five. Come on, let's say it. Five five five, five. five, five, five. All right, what's number five? I don't even, what's number five? Here we go. <laughs> Cross-culture church will strive to cross all cultural barriers. Do y'all know there are cultural barriers? Sure there are. I mean, they just, they exist, right? There are cultural barriers. My, uh, just, I'm just, ta- I'll, I'll finish reading this in a minute. But I was thinking, uh, my brother, Nate Jones, uh, his son is getting married and he's marrying a young lady who is from, and her family is originally from uh, Ethiopia. And uh, they had some sort of big, family get-together recently, where both sides of the family uh, came and uh, got together. And uh, Nate wasn't, and Kimberly weren't able to make that, but uh, his uh, son and, and his daughter and stuff were telling about it, that uh, that uh, the young lady that, that Nate Jr. is marrying, uh, his, her family uh, brought in, it said at first it looked like it's bringing in a body or something, brought in a whole side of beef and uh, flopped it down on the table and uh, put spices and started all over it and then just started cutting it off and just eating the raw meat with the spices and stuff over that would be a cultural barrier for me that would be hard (laughs) there are cultures sure it's lots of stuff but here's what we're going to do we're going to strive another we're going to work at it we're going to try again we won't always get it right but we are going to strive to cross all cultural barriers social economic and ethnic we will work for an authentic community that's an important word ladies and gentlemen Authentic. Authentic. That's right. Real. We actually, really, genuinely care about each other. Care about what's going on in our lives. and Authentic community where the color of a person's skin or the amount of money in their bank account will have no bearing on their place in the community. We will strive to make everyone feel as if they belong. Now, can I just say something a word about this before we go on? Most churches, most churches would, would agree with that. Most churches would say, yep, that's, that's what we want to do too. But I'm telling you, if, we, if we're not intentional about it, if we're not intentional about doing this, then it, we tend to just kind of turn towards somebody that's more like me. Got the same interests or got the same skin color or got the same accent or whatever it is. So, you have to be intentional about this. I was thinking this morning, uh, there's a very uh, famous book uh, by a, a man, a pastor by the name of Charles Sheldon. The book is entitled, In His Steps. Anybody ever read it, In His Steps? It was published in 1897, I think it was, 1896, 1897. And if I remember right, I haven't read it in a number of years now, but if I remember right, Sheldon... Um, the premise of the book was based on something he actually did in his church. And what he did was he uh, dressed up uh, one Sunday just like a a street person, like a homeless person, what we call a homeless person today. Tattered rags, and uh, he didn't shave, you know, all week, and, you know, hat pulled down and, and all this kind of stuff. And he walked into his church, the church where he pastored, on a Sunday morning, just to see what the reaction of the people would be. And uh, as you might imagine, the, the reaction of the people wasn't that good. Um, it was like, you know, ooh, you know who are I don't, you? Know, I don't know that person. They're not dressed the way I am, or maybe they don't smell the way I do, or, you know, I don't know where they've come from, or all that kind of stuff. And if I remember right, that's actually genuinely what, what he did. But then the book is based off of that, that idea, and from that came the statement that most of you have heard of, if you haven't read the book, uh, the statement, What Would Jesus Do, uh, came out of that book. It's actually the subtitle to the book, In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? And he, began, and he challenged his church with that very question. In every situation of your life, what would Jesus do? And I was thinking, how, how would we react? If, if a homeless person walked in here today that looked like, you know, disheveled and rags and stuff would would they would they have would they be the only one sitting at the table out there at the cafe drinking coffee and eating a bagel Or would other people gather around and say hey how you doing i don't think we've met before Is this your first time here and would they be sitting in a seat all by themselves or would people come up to them and say listen you know could, could we sit here i don't know but this idea of of striving to make everyone feel as if they belong i've told this story before um So some of you heard it, but uh, I I think one of the reasons this is so important to me is that... I grew up in a culture where there was a lot of divisiveness, it seemed like, but when I was in seminary, I preached at a church up in Virginia doing pulpit supply for them one Sunday when I was in seminary, and they were looking for a pastor. They were without a pastor, and after church, they asked Cindy and I to stay over and have lunch with the search committee and uh, talk to us. They wanted to ask us some questions, and in the, just in the middle of the, of the lunch, in the middle of the conversations, just out of nowhere, uh, the, the chairman of the committee says, well, I guess you noticed that there were no... And there was a pause, little pause. I guess you noticed there were no black people in our congregation today. <laughs> and, and so, you know, and that, that in itself is not, is not strange. It, you know, it's rural Virginia, it's an old country church. And said, yeah, y- y'all are white as could be. I could see that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and, here, and here's, here's, what, here's what the chairman of the committee uh, said said, it's not that we'd have anything against them. It's just that we have our church and they have their church. And um, I, just, I, just don't, I just don't read that in Scripture. I just don't find that in God's Word. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be any railroad tracks in heaven dividing one, the, one side of town from the other side of town. There's no, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, I, so... If, if, if we got to be intentional about this, we got to say how do we cross over cultural barriers, economic barriers, social barriers, so that any person that walks through our doors, we listen. Could, uh, uh, a Duke fan could walk through the doors, and, and y'all would and it would treat them the same. An NC State fan could walk through. A Carolina fan could walk through. You treat them just the same. Where where a. A Republican walk through and you act, treat them just the same. A Democrat can walk through and you act, treat them just the same. Where a young person walked through, an old person walked through, a rich person. They got on a Rolex and diamonds everywhere. and Or they've got on nothing but tattered clothes. Can, can they come in here and say, wow. I had a guy one time, it's when I worked for the post office, but I was trying to share Christ with him. I was inviting him to church. And uh, he was an, uh, kind of an older guy and he had on these old bib overalls and uh and he said oh no i i I couldn't i couldn't go to that church where you go i said sure you could oh no this is all i have to wear i could and i could not convince the guy that he could come he i just couldn't couldn't do it all right i know i gotta move on let me tell one more story um i met a guy recently uh while selling a piece of furniture on craigslist (laughs) i was if you don't know me i'm the craigslist king i buy and sell multiple things on craigslist um so, I sold a piece of furniture on Craigslist. The guy comes in, and uh, I'm helping him get the, the table and stuff, and I have on a cross culture t shirt. By the way, you too can have a cross culture t shirt. Go straight to our website. You can follow that. You can find where you can order cross culture uh, stuff uh, right, right straight there from our, our website. Um, anyway, I had on a cross culture t shirt. And uh, so he notices, and he says, Oh, you go to that church? <laughs> And uh, man, man, I wish, I wish I had not, I told him fairly quickly that I was a pastor, uh, but I wish I had waited longer. I just wasn't thinking. He says, you go to that church? And I, and I said, yeah, I go to that church. And he said, I went there one time. That got my attention. I went there one time, which by the way, it's hard. Guess it's hard to get them to come back a second time. It is. He said, I went there one time. And um, you know what he said to me? Now listen, he doesn't, he, he, I did, I, I, somewhere at that point I said, yeah, I, I'm the pastor there. And he was really, amazed. oh, you're the pastor. So, listen, he didn't remember my face. He didn't remember my face. Forrest, why not you listen to me? He didn't remember my face, but here's what he said. He said, there was a guy uh, in the cafe, he said, I don't remember his name, but he had a bald head and he had these really cool glasses on. And he said, he was just the nice guy. He just, he just met me as I walked in the cafe. He sat down, he talked with me. See what we're talking about? Authentic relationship. Now, he didn't remember Forrest's name, but he didn't remember my face. So, <laughs> but what he remembered was somebody walked up to him, greeted him, talked to him, spent time with him. He was a single guy. See, that's what we're talking about, where everyone feels as if they belong. You and I have to be intentional about that. We have, that's why we have a greeter team. We have a greeter team, and we want people smiling and welcoming and warm and, and you know, gracious and all that kind of stuff. But can I, can I let you all in on a little secret? Kimberly Jones heads up our, gre- our official greeter team. But all of us are part of the greeter team. You understand what I'm saying? All of us have to, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for me to talk to Bill. You know, we got plenty to talk about and, you know, all, all this. It's easy to talk to Bill, but if somebody new comes in, does Bill and I, or one, or both break away and say, Hey, it's your first time here. Welcome. Thanks, thanks for coming. I saw Bill doing that this morning. That's what I'm talking about. We've got, to, we've got to do this. Got to do it. That's, that's, part, that's who, who we want to be part of our DNA. Authentic community where everybody can come in and feel welcome. Okay. Uh, y'all ready for number six? Yeah. Really? <laughs> y'all don't even know what it is and y'all are doing that. Okay. <laughs> that's why I kind of got you going on number five. So you do that on number six. Got gotcha, you. Gotcha. Here we go. Number six. Cross-culture church will practice... Radical stewardship by acknowledging God as the owner of all that we have and are and will use the resources he has entrusted to us, physical, material, spiritual, for the building of his kingdom. Now that's built into our DNA. We're saying this is, this is the system God put in place to support the local church and here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice, and notice that adjective that we have, radical stewardship. Now, why is it Radical. Y'all are probably wondering, isn't it? Why would it say that that's radical stewardship? Y'all wondering that? Why is it radical? All right, here's why it's radical. Number one, it's radical because of its totality. It's total. In other words, do you notice how we had there? Physical, material, spiritual. There's not much left of you after that. It, it's, your, it's your physical, it, it's, it's your talents, it's your gifts, it's your physical strength, it's your life experiences. It's every bit of that used as a steward used for the glory of God. Used, in other words, that's your, that's your intention to, your material, the, the, the finances that you are entrusted with or the resources that you are entrusted with and the spiritual, who God has created you to be and ha- whether it's teaching, whether it's, whether it's ministering, whether it's sharing the gospel, the spiritual aspect of who you are in your life. It's radical, ladies and gentlemen, because it's, it's, it's total. We're, we're saying God expects nothing less than total and absolute surrender to Him of our lives. Every bit of our lives. Not just the part we bring in here on Sunday morning. Can I get an amen? But every part of who we are. So it's radical because of its totality. And it's radical, quite honestly, because of its rarity. Now, when we talk about, you know, physical, material, spiritual, we know that none of us is completely surrendered all the time. None of us gets it right. Every bit of the time. But this is the intention here. Radical stewardship. And it is a rare thing in the world in which we live. By the way, uh, just so y'all will know, uh, whichever side of this you come come down on, but when we talk about stewardship, people almost automatically always think of of the financial aspect of it. And it is that. It is that part of it. But that's why we're saying it's total. It's all. It's not just your money. It's all of who you are. But in the financial aspect of it, this is among church folks, all right? This is among church folks. The, the national average is about 8% of regular attending church members practice what, what is referred to as biblical stewardship, biblical tithing, a giving of a minimum of 10% of their income back to the church, about 8% of the church uh, on what appears to me to be a very clear biblical uh, commandment. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to spend... You know, y- y'all know I, you know I don't talk a lot about money around here, but it is part of our DNA that we're going to practice radical stewardship. Now, let me, let me help you with this. Okay, I'm supposed to give totally my whole self. Supposed to, supposed to, it's, it's a rare thing, but that, that's who I'm supposed to be. It's what God's Word says, and I, I'll tell you more about that in just a second. But that begins to happen in our lives when this verse begins to be lived out in our lives. You probably possibly have read it before Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. That's what Paul said. Now, Paul's living. He's breathing when he writes those words. But what Paul's saying is, I'm a dead man walking. I, I consider myself as I, I, I'm, I'm, di- I'm dead to, to the world, to, to whatever that might be. I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, watch this, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up. For me. By faith. Did y'all hear me over there? By faith. See, faith is an easy word to say. It's a harder word to live. Especially when we talk about ching Listen, I, I know. I, no, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know what, what anybody in this church gives, other than my wife and I. But I do know that people struggle in this area. I know you do. Okay? I know you're looking at it, and you say, uh, I run out of checkbook before I run out of bills. How am I possibly going to give 10% of my income to the church? I'm already behind the eight ball before I even start. This is very key. And listen, I say this to you as God is my witness. I say this to you because I want the best for your life. God is, this church will be fine. This church will go on, and we'll do ministry, and we'll do as much... But as God is my witness, I want people to understand what it means to come under obedience to Jesus Christ in every area of their life. And this is an area that many of you struggle in. Here's, one of the, here's a key truth that you have to understand when it comes to stewardship. And particularly if we're talking about the financial aspect of it. Because that's the hardest part, right? Truth be told. Giving, the physical, you know, giving you know, my physical self and my gifts and talents, okay. Or you know, giving my time, yeah, that, okay. But my money. Here's a central truth you have to learn. Cindy and I had to learn it years ago in our life, and it's this. You have to understand that when it comes to stewardship, it's not, it, it's not funds-based. This thing is faith-based, not funds-based. You have to learn for yourself. This is for your good. I don't know what anybody gets. I don't know. I'm just telling you, for your good, you have to learn. When it comes to stewardship, it is a faith Based principle not a funds based. funds base is I look at my checking account and I say okay $1.32 and I look at my bills $872 <laughs> it doesn't we, Houston we have a problem that doesn't add up that's funds based. requires absolutely no faith but now let's see what, what were we reading there in Galatians 220 something I don't know in the life I now live I live by what was that word Oh, faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when this thing becomes real, you have to live it out. You can't just say, I have faith in Jesus. Really. Let's see it. I tell you this. I tell you this. Faith-based, not funds-based. Now, I'm not stopping there. Before I go on to number seven, let let me give you one other thing. This is a book called Take God at His Word by Dr. Uh, Craig Hood, I read this book probably about 10 years ago, uh, uh, led the previous church I was pastoring uh, through it uh, for a period of time. It's uh, absolutely the best book I've ever read. You can see it's a very short little read, uh, best book I've ever read on helping people understand from a biblical position why they can't afford, listen to me, why they can't afford not to tithe. See, because those of you that are struggling in this area, you're thinking, I can't afford to tithe. You read this book and you'll understand why you can't afford not to tithe. So, um, I have I have I have ten copies of it up here, folks. I, I ordered, had asked Cindy to order me ten copies, and I'll give one to anybody that wants one. All I'm saying is, after the service over, if you want a copy of this, just listen. there's no, it's no it, ever. Lots of people struggle with this. I'm just telling you, they do. So don't worry about well. What's anybody gonna? I'm gonna uh, there are 10 copies down here, and if, and if you want one and don't get one, you tell me. I'll order 10 more, 20 more, 100 more. It uh, won't cost you a thing. You just come get it because, because as God is my witness, I want the best for your life. And I'm telling you, until you understand this principle, you can't experience God's best for your life because it's, because it's such a central part of faith. So uh, if you're interested, it's a short little read, and, and, uh, and they will be right, right there, and somebody, anybody feel free to pick up a, a copy and read it. It's part of our DNA. We are going to practice radical, D, radical stewardship. Will we always get it right? No. Will we struggle in some areas? Well, I'm, I'm getting better at this, but I'm still struggling with this or whatever. Sure, listen, folks. We're just saying, come along. This is about taking you from where you are to where God wants you to be. It's not about, oh, you're not tithing? Get out. You don't serve on a ministry team? Hit the door. This is about God taking us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And where he wants us to be is a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. All right, last one. Number seven of our DNA principles. Cross-culture church will seek to be a church of irresistible influence. Just can't help but be but influential. In our culture, committed to taking the love of Christ to our culture through acts of kindness and service in our community, we will strive to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us. This is a basic uh, premise of our outreach strategy here at Cross Culture Church, that we are going to try and be the hands and feet of Jesus in tangible ways. We're going to try and love on people in ways that would perhaps earn us the right to then share with them the spiritual difference that Jesus Christ can make in their lives. So we might, we might need to feed them, or we might need to clothe them, or we might need to, to have an outdoor movie night that their family can come out to, or, they, or or some type of thing where we, where we show the love of Christ to them in a tangible way, and then we trust God to work in their life so that they would say, hey, uh, maybe we ought to try that church out down there. Or maybe we ought to listen to what they have to say or whatever else. To be a church of irresistible influence. Obviously, I got that from a book that I read. I shared with you all a while back. Irresistible influence in our culture committed to taking the love of Christ to our culture through acts of kindness and service in our community. Strive to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, to those around us. Now, how do we how do we do that? Currently, let me just give you three quick ideas about this. Um, first, love our community days. That's church We we do that here at Cross Culture. We have these love our community days. Um, they're church-wide events. We do uh, uh, public safety day. We do family fun day. Uh, we do out. We've done out. We did outdoor movie night the last two uh, years. Uh, we we've done. Operation Christmas Child, which is kind of a community type of outreach, and we've kind of involved some of them in that. There's several things that we have done that are, are intended to uh, be churchwide, want everybody involved, and we just want to love on our community. And, and by the way, because we're a church that's light on our feet, I'll just be honest with you, we're, we're reevaluating everything for 2013. We're looking at some of the things that we're currently doing that we've done in the past and determining, you know, should we keep doing that? Is that, are we effectively Uh, engaging our culture? Are they they glad that we've done this? And is it having an effect that the ultimate desire is to see people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ? So we're looking at evaluating everything for 2013 and deciding what are the best things to do. But that's part of what we do. Love Our Community Days. They're church-wide. Second, we have Love Your Neighbor Days. Those are designed primarily to be life group driven. We ask the life groups two, three, four times a year to come up with an event that their group creates. Bill gives some gives ideas sometimes, different uh, life group or outreach, love your neighbor days, things that you can do. So give some suggestions, but the life group itself to come up with ideas and say, hey, what if we did this or what if we did that? And then that life group goes and does that event, a one-day thing or whatever it might be. Maybe they collect food and give it, maybe they uh, uh, clean up a neighborhood that they're meet in or something that that, na- that life group does. Some life groups have... Gone and and fed dinner to the police station. Some have taken gift baskets to the fire department. Some have worked at food banks. Some just it's the sky's the limit. Be creative here, but we've got to engage our culture. We've got to be irresistible. We've got to be in a way that they're glad that we're in our community. So love your neighbor days. Those are life group. And then the final one I've got here at this point is love every what I call love everyone all days. That's me. That's you. We just we just need to act like we like people. You know, I don't mean act like fake. I mean, we need to like people. We need to love on them. We need to do acts of kindness. We need to do, we need to do things for people that are, that are spontaneous or maybe even costly to us at times. But what we do it just because cause I, think, I just think that's what Jesus would do. I was watching last night, I, I uh, got in bed and, and Ben-Hur was on. And it was right at that scene where Ben-Hur, if you've never seen it, then you're lost. But it was right at the scene, I mean, you don't understand what I'm saying. It was right at that scene where <laughs> ben, ben, Ben-Hur was, had been taken as a slave and he was, he was being walked across the desert and they stopped to get water and, uh, and, and you know, there's this figure in the carpenter shop working because you figure out pretty quick, oh, that's Jesus. And the, all the, they come out and they get water, all the soldiers drink water the horses are drinking water they finally give some to the slaves but they won't let ben-hur have any water and jesus comes up and he stoops down and and he begins to give ben-hur water if you've seen the film you know what i mean and um it's just it's just a very powerful scene and it's just that idea that i just think that's what jesus would do I, just, I think he would find ways to love on people whether they deserve it or not and if we do that i think god will use us in some way now he may, he may never use us to draw them to cross with them. they may not come to cross culture But if we can impact somebody's life in some way that displays the love of Christ, that can change that person's life in some way, then that's a good thing. And that's what we ought to be about as a church. Those are the seven DNA statements of Cross Culture Church. It's who we are. My prayer for us in 2013, we're going into a brand new year, it's just around the corner, is that we we seriously evaluate who we are as a church, what we believe, where we're going, and what is my personal responsibility in that? How am I going to, in 2013, be a greater part of that, in the work that God's doing to His honor and to His glory?
0: Well, there you have it. The seven statements that reveal the characteristics of Cross-Culture Church. We believe they're biblical and Christ-honoring. As we've taken a few weeks to talk about what makes cross-culture the church that it is, we pray that all of us have a better understanding of what Christ expects from His body, the church. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7, and we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water,
1: I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed.